hey, I could, I'll do volume of deals and I'll, I'll work with more people because if we turn around, you know, I can put money in your family and in your pocket and turn around and, you know, put food on your table. And so to me, it's a win-win. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I am grateful to have Christopher Ryan of Keller Williams Realty, commercial division. He's a commercial real estate broker right here in Norwell, Massachusetts. Hey, Christopher, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. So a commercial real estate broker, tell us about that. What is that? So commercial real estate broker is, it it can be defined as quite a few things, um, but most commercial brokers themselves will actually specify and uh, become specific in one area of expertise. Um, Commercial real estate has to deal with anything from uh, large multifamily, office, industrial, medical, um, you know, we we can do tenant rep, we can do retail. So it's got this broad spectrum. I myself specialize a lot into retail and tenant representation. Got it. Okay. So how'd you get into that? Uh, Well, I mean, it started off, I was a residential real estate agent for about a year. Uh, I was kind of looking at the market, looking at the, the trends and really just looking at a lot of the analytics. And when I started looking at, at commercial stuff, I was like, man, this is a whole different world. There's a lot more complexity to it, which tells me that there's a lot less people in it. And so I was happy to, uh, to go ahead and jump into that. And I'm willing to take on a good challenge anytime. So just move straight into commercial. That's interesting. So you got into real estate, residential, and then went into commercial. How did you get into residential real estate to start out with? Uh, so if you go back to uh, this this lovely beginning of the pandemic, yeah. before that, I actually had a, a personal training business. Uh, I had a nice little company growing, and I focused on post-rehabilitation physical therapy for the elderly. So if there was any target that that virus ever had, it was all the, ple- all the people that I worked with. So um, that business I saw very quickly from the day we shut down, I said, this isn't coming back. And if it does a resurgence of the virus is going to wipe it out again. So I'm out for years. Um, so I turned around and I said, you know, I've real estate's bailed me out of a, a hole before, and maybe I should just go ahead and go full-time into it. So I turned around, I think within two months, I got my real estate license and uh, I just started moving. Uh, there you go. There you go. Well, where'd you get that go-go from? I understand uh, you were in the military. I was, I was in the Marines and uh, part of the Marines is, adapt and overcome. And so one of the things that, that I've always learned and I've just kind of lived with is, you know, when an obstacle comes up, you just have to pivot and go, because if, if you stay stagnant, that's when, you know, that's when things go bad. That's when things happen. And so it's just a matter of just push the ball and keep moving. So how did, when did you enter the military? Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah. So I was in the Marines for uh, five years active duty, three years inactive. I uh, came, went into it straight out of high school. I was 17 years old, just decided, you know, college wasn't my route. So I went to a, uh, an Air Force recruiter and said, hey, I'd love to be a pilot. He said, I'd love you to have a college degree. And so I was like, all right. And he's like, I know someone to talk to. And he had a Marine recruiter call me. So uh, 
Marine recruiter came over. He said, Hey, I can't promise you to be a pilot, but I can promise you, you could be the best. And so I was like, sounds good enough. I'll take that. And so I jumped into it, uh, did two and a half years in nuclear weapons security, and then another two and a half years as infantry. Very cool. Okay. So business owner right into residential real estate now into the more complicated, more uh, heady type of business, which you want to be as a business owner, entrepreneur. So how are you getting your clients? Oh, so that's a fantastic question. A lot of what I'm going into is actually I'm, I'm relying on resources and relationships with residential agents. Um, you know, when I, when I came into the commercial world, I just started looking around where are the holes, what, what's not being, you know, what, what systems aren't being utilized, what's not being tapped. And I look at these, I look at the residential agents and I can be a huge referral source for them. And they, for me, because I have a residential pipeline. And so I can turn around and I can send out my, my residential stuff because I don't want to do it. And so at the same point in time, you know, having someone that knows how to do commercial it's just, it sets up your client for success. And when I'm working with these other residential agents, especially even, you know, whether they're in Keller Williams or, or not, I can give them a referral so I can turn around and, you know, they make some money and they can turn around and send the work to someone who's going to take care of their client. So it's, it's a value add. I can turn around and, and be an extension of them. And so when they've got their client, they keep their client. I'm just helping their client with the commercial stuff. And then I give them their client back. So at the end of the day, the goal is for the client to win. You know, we want the client to have the best experience possible. We want them to have the smoothest experience possible because a residential agent doesn't have the time or the capacity to necessarily, or more even so the desire probably to take on a lot of the commercial stuff. You know, they're going to go into it. They're going to flounder around a little bit and, um, you know, it's just going to be hard. So from there, being that extension to them, being that value to them, I can help them and they get paid for, for getting it done. And on top of that, their client wins. So, and, and the space they're, they're very different residential and commercial. I mean, you say hard, but it, it's simply different, right? Oh, completely. There's a whole different level of complexity. The deal structure, um, depending on, on what it is, can be completely different. Um, especially when you get into stuff like tenant rep, you know, you're, you're talking about a lot of lease agreements and, you know, there's, there's just a lot of little details and nuances that as a, as a residential agent, you're not going to know how to do a lot of that. So you're going to be spending 10 hours a day doing research to figure out how to do it or, you know, calling people and trying to, to get into those doors and they don't have the relationships necessarily established with all of these other commercial people, the property managers, the people that have and own these facilities. So they can't just, they're, they're going to call, but they're probably not going to get a call back. And so it's hard to get that door open. And so they're going to, they're not going to be able to provide the value that they want to for their client. And so it's going to make it extremely difficult. And the value to them referring you is you don't want residential. So if they refer it to somebody that not that they can control it, but they could stay involved with, they may not lose that client on the residential side, right? Oh, completely. I mean, the, the whole goal is, is basically we can work deals back, back and front together. So, you know, anything that I ever get that's, that's residential, I can just send back to you. Um, anything that you get commercially, you send my way. On top of that, there's referral fees. So I'll turn around and I'll give a 25% referral fee to anyone that, that sends me 
that you know that deal because a lot of times that's a lot harder to get good commercial agents that are willing to do that because they have such a dominant presence in the market. And so for me, it's just a value add, you know, Hey, I can, I'll do volume of deals and I'll, I'll work with more people because if we turn around and, you know, I can put money in your family and in your pocket and turn around and, you know, put food on your table. And so to me, it's a win-win. So I'm a residential real estate agent. I have a client, they own their own business. They say to me, hey, you were great. We know you, we love you, we trust you. You're in real estate. Can you find us an office for my business? And immediately I, as real estate agent, go into, oh no, that's not my space, but I don't want to lose this client. What do I do? I refer it to somebody that I know, love, and trust who's going to do a great job for my client. And I know that they have a tight database and they're not going to refer that to another residential real estate agent. They're going to keep that network tight and I'm going to get 25% of the commission. Sign me up. That's it. And, and on top of that, Mark, I mean, my whole goal when working with a, with working with another agent is I don't want to be the rock star. I want to make you look like the rock star because at the end of the day, that's your client. And if you're making a recommendation, that's a personal endorsement. So if I don't make you look the best, then I'm doing my job wrong. At the end of the day, your recommendation is my reputation. And so I really have to take care of that and nurture that and make sure that at the end of the day, when, when your client has been referred to me and I've taken care of them, you get them back because that's my reputation on the line. And for you, it makes you look like a rock star. I love it. I love it. So, so tell me about the commercial real estate market right now. What are you seeing out there? In the area that I'm in, which is retail and, and off um, retail and, and tenant rep, there is just so much confusion in the market. Um, you know, you get into tenant rep, a lot of that is going to be office spaces or, or leasing and, and getting into bigger spaces. But especially when you get down to the property management and the office level, there's everything's empty. And so a lot of this stuff, there's, there's big questions in the air. Are people going to start taking it up? Um, are people going back to business? You know, what, what's going to happen within this sector? And I think that it's going through a, a type of evolution. I mean, I, this is more of an opinion. I don't, I don't necessarily um, know for sure that this is going to happen, but I think a lot of it's going to probably transition into those co-op spaces where you, know, you can come in, you've got some offices, you, maybe there's some resources there for you to use, but at the same point in time, there's gonna be common areas. There's gonna be areas where you can get socialization. And I think that's just kind of where COVID is kind of pushing everything to. Um, so a lot of it I think is gonna be redeveloped into, into something a little bit different than what it is right now. When it and comes when you to say co-op, you're talking about the shared office environment? Exactly, yeah, the, those offices were, no, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that's your company office anymore. That's just the office that's, you know, four or five minutes down from that, from your house that has all the amenities that you need, has everything that you need. And it gets you out of that mental space of being in your personal office with the kids running around and the dishwasher going and just gets you that space and that, that spot that you need and socialization. That's an interesting um, analysis. I, I'm with you there. Because I, I've been saying for years, well, since COVID started, uh, since COVID 
changed everything. I've been saying, you know, people are going to work and live where they want to be, not where they have to be. So it's going to be interesting to see if uh, some of these concepts pop up in unique locations, right? You know, they're in the city. Oh, absolutely. But what about in the mountains and in the beaches mm -hmm. and in the lakes and stuff like that? Well, because I, 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 I tend to agree with you, working from home, albeit is, is a great concept, it's not ideal. No, no, and it, it, mentally you're in a different space. Like you are distracted when you're at home. You know, I, I've did, I did personal training for six years. And during that time, like I have probably one of the nicest home gym setups, but I cannot go to my home gym and focus on my workout at the same level, the same intensity and the same focus as when I go out to a gym that I pay a membership to. And I have all the same, if not better equipment than them. So, you know, it, the office is the same way. You know, I could have the nicest office in the world at the house, but it doesn't distract from the fact that that's also where I live. That's also where I do all, you know, these other duties and responsibilities that aren't work. And it's really hard to separate work from, from life if you're doing them both at the same place. So that, that's really, that's got my mind racing with respect to the shared office and, and whether or not there's enough supply out there right now, or if this is an opportunity for people. I think, I think you, there, I actually do think that there is probably enough space, um, but there, there's absolutely a trend going on right now of um, the offices that are getting people to come back, they're expanding the space. People aren't going back to the necessarily the cubicle setup where you've got the four by four divider and there's four people in, you know, a, a 15 like foot radius. So right. one of the things that, that's, that they're doing is they're expanding those. So people are getting more space. People are getting um, more availability in those offices. But, you know, to that same point, yeah, a lot of people, they're not going to have the resources even still to be able to afford to go into a co-op space. So it's, it's going to be a market demand, you know, it, it's going to, it's going to change the pricing structure of everything. It's going to go by square foot, which we see a lot of times anyway. Um, but these companies, they're going to lease bigger spaces for less people or the, the space per person is going to actually expand. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. Uh, it's going to open up development opportunities. It's going to open up, you know, just uh, a new design or a new feature of how they're going to develop some of the existing properties. I mean, look at retail, for example. We don't know what's happening to retail either. Some retail is going back up because a lot of people do like to shop out. But at the same point in time, if it's a box store, if it's a corporate environment, they're losing. Most of them are losing constantly. And it's because you know, they don't have that personal connection. They don't have that feel or that environment. They can't keep in them, you know, keep minimum wage employees because they don't have the environment there for, for that to thrive anymore. Um, so you're seeing a lot of those kind of fall off. The mom and pop retail shops, a lot of them had to shut down because of COVID and they were already struggling because of maybe they're competing with Amazon. So these retail centers, what are they going to do? You know, you're going to see them have to convert look at the mall, the mall over the, like the last 10 years has kind of been depleting itself unless it's an outdoor mall. Um, a lot of the big indoor areas that kind of like they're hard, it's hard to find the lease people to lease the spaces anymore. And on top of that, the traffic there, it's, it's 18, 19 year olds, 17 year olds, 16 year olds. I mean, 
it's not like they really have much money they can spend anyway. They don't have a job. <laughs> right. So do you see the mall as a complete dinosaur, the 80s malls with the roofs and you go in, you feel like you're in a basement the whole time with escalators and bad lighting? I, th I think there's part of that. Um, I think there's there's huge potential in it. Like it's, it's untapped potential. And I'll, I'll give you an idea. This is just a, a concept that I came up with one time just on a whim I was sitting down and I was talking to my wife and I was like you know if I could buy a mall today what would I do to it and I said I would turn it into something like a health city and what it would be is that you'd have your doctor there you'd have your dentist there maybe you'd have a gym there you'd have personal trainer massage therapy you'd have all of these services that are oriented around health and then I would probably put some type of overlay on it so all of these services, because they're all based on your personal health, instead of you having to go and fill out an assessment for each individual one, why can't we just share it among all of them? So if it's all in one facility, it'd be like one, one overarching company or one overarching policy where everyone shares the same information for you. You go, hey, your gym membership's there. Hey, your chiropractor's there. Hey, your massage therapist's there. You can do four of your services all in one day all in one area, but it's an ecosystem now because you can turn around and you can do the whole thing around something like health and fitness. So now you've got you know other other auxiliary companies that can come in and generate off of that. So you know you got some health food company that wants to come in. Well, hey, there's your food court. There's a bunch of different health companies coming in. You know you get nutrition companies coming in there, and so it, I think it can be reutilized or rebranded in a different way, or it's just, it's an, un, it's an untapped spot. Everyone's just looking at it as it's dead space right now. But I think it can become so much more. It's just people with creativity need to be able to step up and, and jump into it. But don't they have to take the roof off? I mean, at the end of the day, isn't that the biggest deterrent from a mall? Oh, they, they absolutely have to fix the lighting problem which a lot of them, they do have a, a lot of good lighting when you go through the main corridors. You know, it just, it makes it a little bit worse when they're in the, uh, when you're in the sterile environments of the actual retail shops. Yeah, I, uh, I love the idea of the wellness collaboration, but I have to say that I think every mall that we grew up running down the halls to Foot Locker and Chess King and Steigers and JCPenney, I think they're gone. I think they're going to do of the Hanover Mall, for example. Just mm -hmm. take it down. Stop thinking about it. Stop looking at it. Stop losing money on it. Re-retrofit this thing. This is, it, it's land value now. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, one of the other options there is, you know, you look at a lot of the big chain stores that have that retail space. It's, they're, they're kind of walking out. And that's probably going to be reutilized as industrial. Yeah. I had a it's going to become the new warehouse because warehouses is the sector there is they're, they're competitive like they're looking for more people uh more space because everyone's transitioning now and especially with the shortages and the supply chain and everything everyone is trying to get something where they can store their product and their their supplies that's really interesting i didn't even think about it because that's that's the last mile too right so the amazon distribution centers they want to be close to these highways a lot of the malls already are Mm -hmm. But I bet you the, the, the towns would have issue turning that into an industrial trucking center, though. Yeah, they, they wouldn't like it as much. But if you, had, if you had necessarily a smaller company that was right there that's not necessarily doing a ton of trucking, 
uh, you might be able to have, have some personal warehouses there, or you could, you know, think of it as like a new storage facility. You know, we've got those, those storage facilities that are going yeah. up everywhere. Um, most, most small businesses don't need a ton of space. So it's just reutilization of the space in a, in an efficient manner. And the person that does that first is going to, you know, they're going to do very well with it. And I think it's Hanover mall. You know, I, wa- we, we, I watched Kingston another 10 miles down the road try to retrofit into this adult playground with the race cars and the, the trampoline, uh, the, the bar, this and that. But I think they're only putting a Band-Aid on it. I think the folks at Hanover who just clear cut and dropped the whole thing got out in front and said, listen, we're, you know, are we going to bite our arm off at the wrist or at the elbow? Let's, mm-hmm. let's start over right now. And, uh, I, I, I can't see a successful retrofit to the existing structure of a mall. Like it, it boggles my mind how more of them haven't, haven't just thrown in the towel and said, okay, what, what does the town want? What do you, what do you need? Do you need 55 and older? Do you need, you know, housing that somebody can afford, you know, on a lower wage scale, uh, lower wage, you know, outdoor life centers are great. You know, the malls, that are outdoors, they're killing it right now. They are. And Take the roof you, off. Exactly. You, you need that light. Like, and, and that's true of, of pretty much everywhere right now. Like, you know, you don't want an office that doesn't have a window. You know, you're, you're going to feel cramped. You're going to feel claustrophobic. You don't have that, that natural energy coming through. Um, light is so important for, for all these businesses. And so, you're seeing a lot of that being reconstructed as well as, you know, you're getting facade lifts on a lot of buildings. I mean, I live down in Brockton and we see it all the time. There's grants going out all the time for changing the the view of a lot of these places or the way that it looks. And a lot of that is going into just natural lighting, opening it up, making it feel more available to people. Tell me more about that. So the city is getting involved in uh, helping developers. Make oh, absolutely. Um, Brockton is is actually expanding at a very rapid rate. I just had a meeting um, not too long ago with uh, one of the gentlemen who was on city, city council and he's he's running again. His name is Jack Lolly. And, um, you know, we were talking a lot about the development and what's going on in Brockton. And I mean, there's there's just so much movement happening there. And part of it is is the fact that, you know, it is the biggest city south of Boston. And so, you know, there's a huge population there. There's a huge demographic there. Um, there's opportunity zones there. So for, from an investing perspective, you can go and you can park your money there. You can invest in the, in the city. And then when you come out of it, like you don't have to pay capital gains if you keep your money in long enough. Right. So there's, there's a lot of money coming into Brockton. There's a lot of investors that are coming into Brockton. And the, the city is one of the few ones that during COVID, they decided they were not going to stop in advancing infrastructure. They were working on the roads. They were working on everything, even during and when all the other cities were shutting down, waiting. Uh, they just kept pushing through. And, you know, I, I think Brockton doesn't necessarily always get the best rep, but they have been, the, some of the officials there and some of the leaders there have really been pushing to, to make big changes there. And a lot of downtown is have is going through renovations they've been doing that for the past few years like i think it's only a matter of time and, and i think brockton will, will continue to go up in value especially because it still is 
really relatively close to Boston. That's interesting. I love to hear that um, that the community's backing it to make it more beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I remember when I first came there. I mean, one of the first times I was there, I was like, man, there's a lot of trash in the city. And I mean, it was probably a, a year later, um, a lot of the trash from the city had been cleaned up. Like they, they've got regular street sweepers now that are cleaning it up. Um, you know, we, it's, it's, it's a city, so it still experiences the same problems as other cities. So there is like homelessness and stuff that's still out there. But a lot of the stuff is changing. I mean, the value of houses out there, when, when people hear how much, how much something costs in Brockton, they're, they're confused. They don't understand, like, how is it worth that much? It's Brockton. And it's what they don't realize is all of the work that's going on constantly there that's bringing those values up. And, and there's possibly a few projects, I don't wanna elaborate too much on them, but there's a few projects that Brockton's working on that if, if they are able to go through is going to completely change the, the value of that city. That's interesting. Good, I love that. I love success stories because we've heard enough of the not success stories out there, especially in the commercial space. So let me ask you this, Christopher. If someone were to write a testimonial about you, Chris, after a deal was consummated, what would that testimonial look like? That's a good question. You know, I think the, the biggest thing is I want them to be able to tell a story. Um, anytime I work with someone, they're, they're, they're trying to achieve a goal. They're trying to get to a new stage. They're trying to grow in something, in some way. Um, so especially working in, in commercial real estate, I want them to be able to tell their story. Where were they at before they met me? What were the roadblocks they had? How did we overcome those? And how did we get them to the, to the next level, to the point of their life where they can move to the next level? Because that shared experience is, is really what, what's going to help other people know what, what to expect. So let's take it one step further and make, give us an example of a story that someone would write about their experience with you. Let's say that they had just come back home because of COVID, like everyone else, everything shut down. And they're looking just for something simple. They're looking for an office space. And they've got the family at home. They've got all this chaos. They're trying to get their work done. Maybe they've got a small, a small firm that they're trying to run. And they just can't get into the groove because when they're at home, everything comes up. It's the laundry. It's the dishes. It's the yard work. And everything's distracting them. So they're looking for something specific. They're like, I just need a place where I can go and I can do my job and I can provide for my family. And so they just need something simple. Well, there's a lot of a lot of nuance there of you know what are they already dealing with in in the terms of life and a lot of people right now can absolutely experience that so then it's okay where do i even start so you know by by connecting someone being able to connect them to me is really what i'm going for is is for someone to be able to refer them to me and then they come to me and they say all right i just need a space i need this i need this here's the you know the requirements of of my needs and then having me being able to bridge that gap, making it easier. So they're not sitting there and they're trying to find everything online because we already know how hard and how much of a nightmare that can be. Um, nothing in commercial is just online. You know, you have to have the resources, you have to have the relationships, you have to be able to call someone and, and open that up. And so, you know, I can make a few phone calls. You know, I know, say he lives right over here in, in Norwell. You know, I know a few places where there's 
lot, I know a lot of places over here where there's office space available. So I can call and, and rely on some of those relationships and say, hey, do you have anything that fits these specific needs? And then by being able to open those doors, even before looking online and seeing what everyone else sees, now we've got a much better, much more narrow focused idea of what we can get him into. Um, on top of that, he's going to have a lot more value from that just for the fact of, you know, it's not just the stuff that everyone else sees online that everyone's competing for. Now it's the fact that you've got all of these relationships that you can rely on. Um, so just streamlining that process for, for the individual would be really nice. Um, making sure that, you know, it's a smooth transition from the beginning to end, set up good expectations from the beginning so they know what to expect, when to expect it, and you know, just make a smooth and easy transition from the chaos of, of, you know, what COVID threw everyone into to him being able to produce and work and provide for his family again or grow his business again. Very cool. Let me ask you this, Christopher. Residential real estate agent asks another residential real estate agent, do you know a good commercial real estate broker? How do you want that response to sound? You know, I, I would like it to just be genuine and honest. You know, hey, I know I know a guy that's doing this. He does this. Um, I would say give him a call or would you be all right if I pass your information on to him? Because I like to follow up with clients. Um, so anytime someone refers something to me, I'm on the phone immediately or I'm there the, the, that day or the next day. Uh, I don't move slow. So I, I try and get back to everyone. And so... That's, that's really what I would expect from, from any real estate agent. And the, the great thing about, about commercial is I know my specialization. I know what I'm going to do. And I also know what I'm not going to do. And if, if you were to come to me and you were to say, hey, I have a person that does this, I'm just going to be upfront with you. And I'm going to say, hey, I don't do that. But I know a few people that do. Let yeah. me make a few phone calls for you and see if I can get you in touch with them. And I would facilitate helping them get in, in contact with someone who can make sure that their client is completely taken care of and that the situation makes them look good. So you're a resource first and foremost. 100%. You can, op you can peel back the onion of the commercial real estate mystery for the residential agents. That's awesome. And folks, uh, residential real estate agents, if you're listening to this, uh, Christopher and I are developing a course uh, for the Real Estate School at 892 uh, to introduction of commercial real estate. Because as we always say, Christopher, you know, education is, is key. You know, the more you know, not saying you were going to jump into commercial real estate, but the more you understand it, the more you can talk through it at a cocktail party, barbecue, networking, charitable event the better off you're gonna be as a valuable resource to those folks that you're talking to. So Christopher, you've listened to a couple of uh, the podcast episodes and you know there's one question that we ask every single guest. And that question, my friend, is what is the go-to karaoke song? Well, since you asked what the go-to karaoke song is, it's different than the karaoke song that I would sing, but the go-to karaoke song your I meant your go-to karaoke song. Uh, well, look, <laughs> have you if you've ever seen America's Got Talent, the best song that I ever heard sung on there was tequila. Yeah. Uh, There's three words in that song. Yeah. <laughs> da, 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 da. That one. 
Um, but my, my favorite or my go-to if I were if I were the one singing uh, would probably be Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue by Toby Keith. Ah, I love that. So we are going to try to get all of the guests together at some point down in the future. And we will remember that that will be the one that you'll be singing at that, uh, at that networking event. The really, truly most important question of them all, Christopher, how do people get in touch with you? Mark, I try and be accessible in as many ways as I can. I'm on every form of social media. Um, you can find me on there just by searching Christopher Ryan. I'm going to pop up. Uh, at the same point in time, you can reach out to the Norwell office here. Uh, you can email me directly at c-ryan at kw.com or call me directly at 719-686-4000. Awesome. Christopher, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and ideas. And uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Securitidal. Securitidal helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Securitidal, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.